Well, hey everyone, I'm very glad that you are here. Today, God encouraged me to speak life over you by reminding us all of the power of the words that we choose to speak over ourselves and over other people. He says, life and death is in the power of the tongue, according to Proverbs 18.21. So if you're someone today who is contemplating your salvation and you don't even know if you're in right standing with God, but you want to know, Turn to Romans 10, 9, because he says, if you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. And I encourage you to do that right now so that you can be all that you were created to be and live accordingly to the word of God, live in right standing with the Lord and to be able to spend eternity with him and bring heaven down to earth while you're here on this earth for such a time as this in history. Um, but Romans 2, 4 says that it's his kindness that leads us to repentance. And this is the first step to knowing how powerful our words are. Because until you know that you need saving, you're not going to know the importance of such a subject. You're not going to know that your words have a lot of power. And I think all of us could agree that, yeah, okay, our words have the ability to kind of shape our world, but they truly do. And Jesus sets the standard for how powerful it really is. Because if someone was sick, he would call them healed. If someone was blind, he made them see. If someone was suffering, he called them delivered and free and healed and whole. If someone was dwelling in their past, indulging in self-pity, he called them free. He wants us to rise to a standard of excellence to be all that we were created to be. So when we transfer out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light, the moment we're born again, this causes us to turn from our wicked ways and turn towards God. He's our hope. He is the one that we're following and we need his saving. We need his grace every single day to be who he's called us to be. And this all begins with a transformation. This is called conviction. This is very, very different from condemnation, which is of the enemy. And I'll probably talk about that in a future episode, the difference between the two. But conviction is always going to lead you to the other solution, which is the Lord, because he's going to help you in your life and he's going to help you in this new walk of life to be all that you were made to be. Something that starts happening is when you are convicted by the Lord, it causes you to turn the other direction and live according to the word of God. So fruit is produced. It's a result of the Holy Spirit at work in your life. This is a result of what you speak over yourself, realizing that many times it's better to be sensitive to the Lord and allow his spirit to rule and reign so that he gets the final say in what you do. And it is ultimately his voice that is going to be coming out of your voice because he lives in you. And that is such a powerful reality of realizing that we're no longer ours anymore. But it's a new creation in Christ is who we are so we can speak this truth and we can speak this life over other people by first realizing it for ourselves. He who began the good work in you will bring it to completion until the day of his return. That's Philippians chapter 1 verse 6. So it's a lifelong process of learning and growing. God wants us to rise to his standard by first submitting to the will of God, exchanging our will for his so that the things that matter to him now matter to us. And this will enable us to move in the direction he's calling us by speaking things out, not as they are, but as they should be, which is in perfect alignment with the will of God. And we know the will of God by receiving the spirit and the will of God and by reading the word of God, which is the Bible. 
Um, so something that can start happening after this is you start speaking life over other people because once you first receive a truth, God desires that we give that knowledge away to other people. As he said, go out into all the world, making disciples of many nations, baptizing them, you know, in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. So once we first realize our authority, we can now help other people in the direction that they're to go. God needs you. He's calling you forth in the ways that you're to go. People need you. They need your gifts. They need you to be all that you were made to be. Matthew 7 verse 16 says that you'll know them by their fruits. And he's referring to believers here who are being radically transformed by the power of God, enabled by the empowerment of the Holy Spirit to do things they can never do on their own strength because it's God who's getting the glory. It's he who gets the credit so that people look at our life realizing there's a God with him, there's a God with her. And we are being empowered by someone who is helping us, being all that we were made to be since the beginning of time, as our life is predestined by the perfect plan and purposes and the will of God, so we can step into that destiny today by accepting His will into our life, realizing that they we can dictate where we're going. While there's a lot that we don't have control over, there is a lot that we do, and God wants us to realize this so that we can be, again, all that we were made to be. Now, when it comes to words, God is really big on words. He loves words. He loves life. He loves truth. He loves justice, and He desires that these things would prevail, especially in the days that we are living in, because the enemy is always going to twist truth into a lie and manipulate it in ways that seem appealing, in ways that seem truthful. This is why God talks about being aware of false prophets and being aware of those who are deceived themselves so that you don't become deceived. And you can take a look at the story of creation where the enemy was tempting Eve by saying, did God really say? that you cannot eat from the certain tree that God has specifically told her not to eat from. This is all coming down to realizing, okay, what is truth? And these really difficult moments of figuring out what, who do I believe? Who's, who's my final authority? Who do I choose? And once we get this settled within our heart, then we are unstoppable. We are unshakable, but we are the most steady human beings on the planet because we have a truth ruling and reigning, knowing that regardless of our circumstances, good or bad, highs or lows we can be all that we were made to be by knowing who and whose we are because the spirit lives and rules and reigns in our life he says that we're a new species as one translation of the bible says where the old life has passed away and the new has come so we can rise to be all that god is calling us to be as children of god and this will start an incredible journey of ruling and reigning in this life living victoriously you're no longer the victim and you can give this truth away to other people. Now, something that can be controversial, but it should not be at all, because I'm just going by the Bible, um, is that we can live by Jesus's example. Many times it can be easy to look at Jesus as our teacher, which he is, but he's also our friend. And we can follow in the footsteps of the Lord just as he lived. So the things that Jesus did, he says, you're going to do these things and greater. That means that the things that he performed, the miracles that he did, we have the same resurrection power ruling in our life. So when God gives you a word, and you'll know it deep down in your spirit because he speaks spirit to spirit. We have a soul and a body, but we're a spirit being that is the real us, and that's the us that will live on once we die. 
um, in this physical body here on earth, our spirit lives on. So we can speak that spirit and that truth over other people. We speak to their spirit because it's the conscience that needs to be awakened from death being transferred into the light because darkness cannot outshine the light. But when you bring lightness into darkness, there is going to be a radical transformation of realizing that while we were still sinners, again, it is him that laid down our life for us so that we could be transformed into his likeness, being conformed to the image of Christ, going to the core of our character and realizing and picking out the pieces that need to be fixed and more so radically transformed to align with his will and his perfect ways because he desires the absolute best for us in all that we do and all that we say. There's no way that we can fail once we have the Holy Spirit leading us in the ways that we're to go. He will never let us fail. So I just encourage you right now to take a look at your life and the things that you're hearing and the people that you're listening to. My pastor would always say that, you know, you are who you surround yourself with, like the five people you are going to be influenced by them. And there is so much truth to that, Christian or not. It is it is a truth that whoever's voices that you are allowing to shape you and and even those the smallest of ways that has the ability to help you see either the good in yourself or the for the worse but god is always trying to help you see your full potential which is always he's always going to call you by name he's always going to call you by your name because there is something that needs to be awakened within you it's your spirit your inner man that needs to be awakened and needs to be revived by the power of god and i just do that right now i just speak that life over you that you would Accept that truth today, that you are God's chosen son, you're his daughter who has a purpose, who has life. Speak that over other people. If someone is suffering to your left or to your right, speak a word of encouragement, speak a word of knowledge. I'll talk more about that someday in a future episode of the different gifts of the Spirit and full manifestation at power, the work of God, that's a power and work in your life. But when you realize who and whose you are, it's going to change the atmosphere. It's going to change the way that you approach people. It's going to enable you to have a softened heart, to hear their side of the story, to see where they're coming from, to know their past and sit down and talk with them as Jesus was a friend of sinners. Not every, no, no Christian has always been a Christian. Don't ever forget that. Talking to myself as well, because God wants us to be able to share these different stories and enable us to be empowered and revived by the power of God to step to, into this calling and further advance the kingdom of God for such a time in history to where we shift and reshape a generation for good where justice prevails truth prevails we know right from wrong we know truth from a lie like the back of our hand and we can speak that out over ourselves knowing that we're children of god i encourage you to go and pick apart verses that talk about your identity that talk about who you are as he says that you're a new creation in christ where the old life has passed away and the new has surely come he says that we're more than conquerors through Christ Jesus. We can do all things through Christ who strengthens us, Philippians 4.18. We are greater as he who lives in us than he who lives in the world. He's referring to the God of this world who is Satan. But we have the Spirit of God to where we're, we can live victoriously. We can rise above the world's standards, which is so much higher and is going to enable us to do things we never could do 
on our own strength. So encourage us all to take a look at what we're feeding our spirit on a consistent basis because that will be a reflection of the words that we speak and it will be a reflection of what we are enabling ourselves to be taught by and to be controlled by because while there's a lot of things that we don't have control over in this life there are a lot of things that we do like the music we listen to and the voices that we choose to learn from and the mentors that we have and the friends that we have we get to choose our friends Matthew 7 Verse 16 says that you'll know them by their fruit. So it's a fruit of the spirit that is being produced in us day in and day out the moment that we receive God's spirit. So it's only natural that we crave the things of God. It's natural that we want peace, that we want joy, that we want to be revived by the power of God because our spirit craves his spirit that we'd be gone from the dead and that we would be rising. That made no sense that we would be transferred from the death and moved towards the light of God. So I hope you all have an amazing week. Thank you for listening. I believe that you are listening to this for a reason and that you are being transformed by the power of God even while you're listening to this, that they would know you by your fruit and that you would realize who and whose you are so that you can speak that truth and that life over other people. Life and death is in the power of the tongue. You all have a great week and I will talk to you in the next episode. Well, hey everyone, I'm glad you're here. Today, God instructed me to talk about the importance of the words that we speak over ourselves and ultimately over other people, realizing that life and death is in the power of the tongue, according to Proverbs 18.21. So if you're someone right now who's listening and you feel like you've fallen short in this area, we have all fallen short of the glory of God. We all need saving. We all need a savior. That's why Jesus came. So when you turn to the Lord, and you see that we've all fallen short, you're able to surrender your life over to him and enable him to do an incredible work within you till the end of time, till his return. It says that it's his kindness that leads us to repentance, Romans 2, 4. So this is called conviction. This is very different from how the enemy works. He condemns people of their sin. He condemns others, telling you everything that you aren't, everything that you can't do, always casting you down. He absolutely detests you. He hates you. He does not want you to see the glory of God for who the Lord truly is. But when you're convicted by the Holy Spirit, Christian or not, you have an understanding of who the Lord is and you see that you are not in the right standing of the Lord and the promises of God. If you're not yet saved, that's why you need saving. That's why you need to put your hope in the Lord. So when you make this decision, according to Romans 10, 9, he says, when you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you'll be saved. You are now transferred out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light, and you have turned the other direction. He says he's going to lead you all the days of your life into the ways of truth, leading you in the, towards the path of righteousness, that he will always keep you safe. He'll keep you protected. And he will always have his hand guiding you throughout this life for as long as you live. So when you're convicted, you realize that you need to make a change, but you need the Holy Spirit to enable you to do so. And a big part of this is getting our words right, controlling our tongue. It's a fruit of the Spirit. Self-control is from the Lord, and he wants to set us up for success. So once we are convicted of our wrongdoing in whatever scenario it may be, then we realize that fruit is going to start being a result of the work that God has begun in us. 
So when we allow him to mold us into his character, then he's able to work with us as we are joint heirs with Christ. It cannot be one way, but he wants us to cooperate with him to be able to be all that we were created to be. And when this starts happening, he says that other people will look at your works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. And this is all part of the glory of God being revealed so that the power of the Lord is going to transfer, transform your life from darkness to light and enable you to see your full potential. It says that he who began the good work in you will bring it to completion until the day of Jesus' return. That's Philippians chapter 1. Verse 6, it is a beautiful lifelong process of learning and growing and developing in God's word that is never going to end until the day of his return. And so we have this ability to walk with the Lord. That's why we're here is so that we serve him and he shines his glory upon us in return. And we are in perfect harmony. We're in communication with the Father. That is the most safe and secure place you could ever be. When you realize this for yourself, then you realize that you have the Holy Spirit living within you that is going to be able to speak life over other people, enabling them to see their full potential and all that they were created to be. You can start speaking this life over other people as you first receive something. You can now give it away, give away the knowledge that you have of the Lord. You are the vessel that people are looking for. God needs you. He needs you in this life. Don't ever think that you are a mistake. That is a lie from the enemy. I'm exposing him right now. But you are chosen by the Lord. You're his son or you're his daughter, and he needs you for such a time in history. Your words have the ability to shift and reshape a generation in the way that people think. This is all part in the work of the Holy Spirit, as he would convince and persuade you that your word, his word is true. So when you understand this, it says that we will be able to discern truth from a lie and we will no longer be deceived by the ways of darkness, but we're able to be alert and vigilant of the times that we're living in, knowing the seasons that we're going through so that we're able to speak things out as they should be, not as they are. And Jesus sets the tone. He tells the examples of how we can do this as well, because as long as he's our teacher, he's also our friend. So we can follow his example and we can be the way that he is. We can live according to his character and his teachings because of his spirit that rules and reigns within us as well. We're his followers, but we're also his children. And with that comes a high calling, a high price, and a high responsibility to be able to be all that he has called us to be since the beginning of time. It says that he has knit us together in our mother's womb. He's called us by name. Our name, if we're born again, is written in the Lamb's Book of Life, and we are ruling and reigning here in this life as kings and queens within the kingdom of heaven. We take dominion. We take dominion over the land that he has given to us, that he has entrusted to us. He says when we're faithful with a little, he will enable us to be faithful in the larger things as well. It's all about building this trust between us and the Lord. So when you start giving this life away, he says, you're the light of the world, the city on the hill that cannot be hidden. Other people are going to take a notice and they're going to be able to see that you have the light shining within you. Every single person who has the Holy Spirit living within them is the lightness within this dark, darkened world. Um, so a lot of things that can start happening when you start speaking words of life is your whole dialogue will change, okay? You'll no longer do the things that you once were doing as with every area, every other area of life, because as that conviction takes place more and more day by day, 
and you realize how much more you need saving every single day, even once you are born again, then you go into the word of God and you recognize that he is calling us to be so live so much more highly than we are right now, rising to a standard of excellence so that we can set ourselves up for success based off of the words we speak. So if something is not going right in our body, we can speak to it, not as it is, but as it should be. If something is, there's a sickness, there's something going on, this is what Jesus would do time and time again. If someone was sick, he would call them healed. If someone was blind, he would make them see. If someone was deaf, he would make them hear. If someone was afraid, he would say, do not be afraid because of the Holy Spirit who lives in you, who is more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus. It is all about your identity time and time again. It's all about your worth. It's all about who and whose you are, enabling you to see that truth for yourself so that you can set that truth free to other people and set them free as well. God wants us to rule and reign. Don't ever forget that. It's a powerful reminder that we all can carry it with us to the end of time of realizing that we're not a victim, but we can live victoriously because of his spirit that rules and reigns within our heart. So when you speak these words over other people and you speak it over yourself, go into scripture, figure out your identity, figure out your worth and who the Lord says you are because you can be the most steady and confident person in the room by knowing your worth and knowing your identity, knowing you are securely rooted within the promises of God and you're abiding under his wing, which is the safest place that you could ever be. Now, when it comes to words, it can go a little bit deeper than this than just say a word of encouragement. Sometimes God has people moving within the prophetic realm, which basically means you gain vision of where you're going or you gain vision of where someone else is going and you enable them to um, see their full potential and help them get there. This is also can be referred to as a word of knowledge. It's a little bit different where God can give someone a very specific word of someone that they have never even seen before, never even met, of, like I said, maybe a sickness that's in their body, and they can prophesy that out into the open, and they can get healed on the spot, or that person can do with that word as they please and receive it or reject it. But if they receive it, they can receive that as a word of healing, and they will be able to be revived by the power of God and be healed right there on the spot and be embraced by the word of faith because faith is how we live. He says we live by faith and not by sight. So when you're operating in this realm of faith day in and day out, because that's the way that we live now as Christians, then we're going to be able to see the miraculous start taking effect, which is all part of the prophetic and the words of knowledge and um, all of the different ways that God is going to navigate and work within these last days because he needs the church. He needs people like you and me to rise to that revelation by first gaining that insight ourselves so that we can give it away to other people. There are many times where the Lord will give you a word of knowledge or he'll give you even just simply a vision or maybe in the form of a dream and it will enable you to see where you're going. It may not be today, it may not be tomorrow, it may be 5, 10, 15, 20, 50 years from now, but you need to speak it out, maybe even in private, so that you can get that confirmed within yourself, within the Word of God, for yourself, before you start speaking it out into the world, because not everybody is always going to be aware or mindful of the things of the Lord, it's not everyone is a Christian, so it's for us to be careful and be aware of that as well. But when we are alone with the Lord, we can speak those things out, not as they are, but as they should be so that we get the results that we're desiring to see, because this is the way that Jesus navigated his entire ministry throughout all of his life. 
as he would speak things out, he would encourage people, he would get right to the root of the issue because you cannot, you have to expose the darkness and the light. And we know that darkness cannot outshine the light. So I hope this was encouraging to you. Your words have a lot of power. This happens when you realize you're convicted by the Holy Spirit. Fruit is then produced and you can speak this life over other people as you first learn how to speak it over yourself. I love you all. You have an amazing week and I will talk to you in the next episode. Well, hey everyone, I'm glad that you're here. Today I'm excited to be talking about one of my favorite people in the Bible and that is the Apostle Matthew. You might know him as the tax collector, but Matthew was someone um, that was used mightily by God and God saw a lot of potential in him before he truly saw it in himself. So one thing that we can gather from Matthew right away is that although he had a very fallen past, you know, he was selfish, he was greedy, he was prideful because he was a tax collector. And a lot of these tax collectors during Jesus's time, as they were working for the Roman government, they were quite greedy and they were so loyal to the Roman government that they were often cheating people by pocketing a share of the collections for themselves. So we can learn a lot from Matthew, regardless of our past, regardless of the things that we've done. Jesus is always calling us out of the water and onto the promised land of the things that he has for us in store because he sees our full potential. He sees who we are in him. So to give you a bit of a backstory, as I said, Matthew was a tax collector for the Roman government. He was a Jew, however, so therefore he was hated by the Jewish people because a lot of these tax collectors were considered to be a threat um, and a thief or rather a traitor. And they were considered to be placed in the same category as, say, prostitutes and other sinners. So just not not at all viewed um, to be a good kind of person in the Jewish people's minds. Um, but however, Jesus comes along, and as with every testimony, he always flips a person's story because he's always concerned with the heart issue of things. He doesn't care so much about what you're doing as opposed to who you are. So although we would label Matthew probably as the tax collector who had a terrible past, Jesus says and calls him forth to be his friend. And we read about that in Matthew chapter 9, starting with verse 9. If you have your Bible, you can follow along. If not, it's okay. Um, you can listen. But it says, as Jesus passed on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax office, and he said to him, follow me. So he arose and he followed him. And there's so much that we could draw from this. But personally for me, the first thing that I see is from Jesus's viewpoint. I see the kind of authority that he carried for a complete stranger practically to just stop his occupation, leave his job behind him and follow the Lord. Matthew probably, however, had some idea of who the Lord was because, you know, Jesus was was this well-known person to some extent, all of these miracles that were going on, these signs and wonders, and where he met Matthew in a place called Capernaum um, was kind of in the same general area as uh, where he healed the paralytic just before he encounters Matthew. So Matthew probably had at least some idea of who Jesus was, probably. Um, but anywho, Jesus comes along and he changes his life by those two simple words, follow me. So I just want that to be encouragement to us today that you don't have to wait any longer if you're contemplating your salvation, if you're wondering, oh, I don't know if I could be used by God. I don't, that's not really my thing. God sees you for who you are and he sees you and he calls you worthy. He calls you his. He's inviting you to follow him. 
because he wants you to live the blessed life. He wants you to be able to be prosperous in all that you set your hand to. He wants you to have favor around every corner. He wants you to experience the fullness of his glory where there is perfect provision and protection in everything that you do and everywhere that you go. And then it goes on to say with verse 10, where now it happened as Jesus sat at the table in the house, that behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and sat down with him and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw it, they said to his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? But when Jesus heard this, he said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Jesus is so wise in his responses always. He says, but go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice, for I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. So this is the whole point of the gospel, is that we would be transformed from the inside out, that we would go and make disciples ourselves, because that was part of the Great Commission that Jesus instructed us to do, where we actually teach others um, by the gifts that we, we have, that he has given us um, to be a blessing to other people um, and experience God's glory and favor in return. So Matthew kind of, he kind of strikes me as, um, you know, one reason why I love him so much is because although we don't hear too much mention of him at all um, in the Bible, he is um, credited for writing the book of Matthew, which is the first book in the New Testament of the Bible. And he strikes me as someone who has this childlike faith about him. Uh, whenever he encounters the Lord, he was curious. He was always, you know, wanting to learn. He was well educated um, because he makes a lot of references to the Old Testament prophecies. So he starts out in the book of Matthew about writing about the um, genealogy of Jesus, so the birth of Jesus, and then it moves into the actual teachings of Jesus or the parables, as we like to call them, because those were just Jesus's ways of explaining some very deep truths to us that would make sense to us in a way that we could apply them uh, very practically within our everyday life. So he talks about all this kind of stuff, and then he talks about um, you know, simple truths that we can take hold of. He talks about uh, the end times a little bit uh, from Jesus's viewpoint. So we can gather so much from the book of Matthew and just by Matthew following the Lord every single day, uh, we can see all of the miracles or at least a lot of them recorded in the Bible and we can learn from them. Uh, but going a little bit deeper into the actual book itself, um, there is a lot that he, he, again, he mentions a lot of the Hebrew scriptures. So that is, that's referring to the Old Testament here. Um, and it contains a lot of, of Jesus's, of Jesus's teachings that we can, again, apply to our life. And there are so many references to the Old Testament of Jesus being that fulfillment of the prophecy in the Old Testament, where it talks about his genealogy. Um, it traces his ancestry back to Abraham onto the side of Joseph, um, and it talks about a lot of his healings, a lot of his miracles, which is just so cool that we get to read about it today and still learn from him. Um, but Matthew's whole intent was to convince the Jewish people, um, you know, that Jesus was in fact the Messiah, that he would be able to prove that Jesus Christ is who he says that he is from the line of David, um, as he's this new authoritative teacher like Moses, and where Jesus is God with us, or in the Hebrew it's translated as Emmanuel. 
So it's, it's straight from scripture going back to the Old Testament where Jesus is indeed this fulfillment of this prophecy of the Son of God who was to, to be born into this world to save the world, basically, to save every soul that is willing to believe in him. So as it's part of the, the four Gospels, we get to see the beginning of Jesus's life and also his death and his resurrection and the Great Commission. There's just a lot that is in the book of Matthew, a lot to unpack. You can just take a few verses at a time and learn so much, just ponder upon that for weeks at a time. It's sometimes what I do, and I just, man, think about everything that he did and how we're able to do such things and greater according to his word. So I wanted this to be encouragement to us that God can use you. He can use me, anyone who wants to be used by the Lord, because he's always calling out the absolute best in us, regardless of what we're doing, you know, because there is so much that he wants to fulfill within our life. And there's a lot that actually needs to be accomplished. It's not so much um, it is a choice. It is a free will. We don't have to follow the Lord, but he would so desire that because he needs people. He needs the church because one verse um, that is really powerful that we can take hold of all the time to remind ourselves of what he's called us to do is when I believe it was Peter he was talking to at one point where he says, you know, I've given you the authority and I've given you the keys to my kingdom. Well, what that's entailing is that we have the authority to not be Jesus, but be his disciples and be his followers. And what does that mean? That means we walk in victory. That means we walk in divine health. We walk in complete healing and restoration. We claim the truths of the gospel as our own because we're made in the image of God. And if we have made the decision to invite Jesus into our life, then he says we're born again of the spirit of God. That is just that will just change your life and that will enable you to do all that he's calling you to do. So I encourage you to, to look at the life of Matthew, maybe do your own research and just kind of figure out, okay, who was Matthew? And because we don't really hear that much about him, I had to do a lot of research myself um, just to kind of get a sense of who he was. Um, but he was obviously well-educated um, and, you know, probably pretty smart to be, to be dealing with math and numbers all the time not at all like me in that regard. <laughs> uh, but anyway, I just love Matthew. And I hope this is encouragement to you that God can use anybody. He can use you. He wants to use you. And he's calling you to follow him today. I love you all. Have a great week. And I will talk to you in the next episode. Well, hey, everyone, I'm glad you're here. Thank you for joining me today as I'm going to talk about how we can become more like Jesus by becoming more like Matthew. And that might sound kind of strange, but I'm going to be talking about the life of the Apostle Matthew and understanding that God can use anyone. He wants to use your life today, regardless of where you stand with him. If you've never heard the gospel before, if you have never been in church before, you don't have to, you know, you don't always are not always going to meet Jesus necessarily within the four walls of church. I did not. I met him in the most powerful way for the first time when I was in my grandparents' garage taking out their trash. So, I mean, God is everywhere. And he can meet you in the most unexpected of places. Um, but if you have a Bible, go ahead and turn to uh, Matthew chapter 9, verse 9. And today I'm going to talk about the encounter that we hear between Jesus and Matthew. Jesus is coming along. He has just healed a paralytic around the same region where he finds Matthew in a place called Capernaum. 
He is sitting there. Matthew is sitting there as a tax collector for the Roman government. He's a Jew, um, and therefore he is hated by his own people, the Jewish people. Um, many of these tax collectors were very loyal at that time to the Roman government, so they were often cheating people by pocketing a share of the tax collections. Um, so just not at all liked by the Jewish people. But Jesus always comes by and sees the other side to the story. He sees Matthew's heart, or rather what it could be like, which is made in the in the image of God to where it is holy and it's pure, and it is in a perfect alignment with the word of God. So he says, as Jesus passed on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax office, and he said to him, follow me. So he arose and followed him. And there's a few things that I uh, we can gather from this. The first thing is Matthew's obedience to stop what he was doing. It shows me that he could have been maybe really desperate and was tired of what he was doing, knowing that money was not going to fulfill him and his pride and his greed was not fulfilling him in any way, shape or form. And then from Jesus's viewpoint, it shows me the kind of authority that he carried and the powerful presence of the Lord that was with Jesus everywhere that he went. And this is how we can operate as well, because when we're born again, we have the Holy Spirit with us who's going to lead us in the ways we're to go, he says. And he says that he'll counsel us with his loving eye and he'll teach us and he'll instruct us on how we're to live and where we're to go and what we're to do and what we're to say. So, I mean, we can have encounters like this all the time. That's actually part of the Great Commission is that we would make disciples and not just friends. But discipling means teaching and it means moving and operating the ways that Jesus did based off of the giftings that we have as believers. So, I mean, we can do this as well. And then it goes on to say that um, as it happened, Jesus sat at the table in the house that behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and sat down with him and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw it, they said to his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? So they were viewing these people, they were viewing Jesus and sinners to be in two different categories, which obviously there is some truth to that. You know, if you're, you're either, there is no in between to God, you're either going to heaven, you're going to hell, you're either saved or you're not. Um, but they viewed Jesus, you know, they were aware that he was this holy man, and then there he is eating with sinners, but they didn't realize that what Jesus is about to say is going to make them think about about their, their heart's intentions. And it says that when Jesus heard that, he said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. And then he says, but go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice, for I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance, which is exactly what I'm trying to say is that he, those who are lost need the Lord, you know, and sometimes if you're in Matthew's case, I mean, I don't know every, every detail. I haven't conducted like this deep study about his life or his backstory, um, but from what I do know, um, sometimes God has to you know, bring you to the end of yourself in order for you to see your need for him. And until we, we understand that, we're just going to continue living our lives, living the mundane kind of life without even 
thinking about the urgency of our spirit that if we were to die at any point today, you know, where would we be going? Because God says that he's given every person a free will and we can do with that as we wish, which is the beauty of the gospel. You know, God is still going to love us even if we never acknowledge him, fail to love him in return. But he so desperately desires this with an urgency that we would come to know him so that we can spend eternity with him. And while we're here, we can also experience him and his joy and his love uh, for us and for other people. Um, So let this be encouragement to you that God can use anyone despite someone like Matthew who was greedy and prideful and a sinful human being because regardless of your occupation, regardless of what you're doing, God is far more concerned with who you are or who you're to become, which is your heart. He's after your heart and um, he's always after the conscience. You know, why are you doing what you're doing? Is it out of selfish motives or is it knowing your identity, being a very secure and confident person in the Lord? And as you're developing this holy trust between you and the Lord, this is going to merge your heart to his within his understanding and his revelation, which will move you from glory to glory and promote you in due season and enable you to see the very best version of yourself in the eyes of the Lord, which will enable you to see the best version of others, despite where they're at in life. Because if you notice Jesus's ministry, he never called people as they were. You know, he was, he would see the sin, he would see the issue, and he would get right to the issue and the source of sin, which is how you have to deal with the devil. You can't let him walk all over you anymore. But you have to to understand and get to the root of what is causing such destruction in your life or, you know, any, any root of sin, the, the source is always pride, you know, us, that free will, going back to that free will and, and us wanting to live our own way, go our own way. And even as a Christian, we still have to bring our flesh under, you know, in alignment with what the word of God says, because we live in this corrupt world but we're not of this world. We are born again and we have the Holy Spirit ruling and reigning in our lives. Therefore, we can overcome our flesh the more we build our spirit up and we build that faith and that conscience awareness that if I want to be used by God and I want to develop my faith, then I must do my part as well as God do his. It's this relationship that must be forged between us and the Lord to where we can trust him and he knows that he can trust us. So I pray this is encouragement to you and Matthew, look at his life because he is credited at least for writing the book of Matthew, which is the first book in the New Testament of the Bible. And a lot of it includes, starts with the genealogy of Jesus. So Jesus's upbringing and um, you know, what he, It's interesting because all that we know from the time that he was just very, very young, you know, a young infant um, or toddler until the age that he's 12, all it says that he grew 
is just two words, he grew, and we know that when he's around 12 years old, and he did not start his actual, you know, ministry of, of going into the world and preaching the gospel and all these things until he was, I believe, around 30 years old. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe he was, um, you know, it was, it was quite a little time there before he actually was starting to be to be used in that kind of way. And that only lasted for just a few years before he, you know, ascended to heaven, which is really interesting considering all the miracles that he performed and all of the teachings that are recorded by Matthew and other disciples and, and teachers uh, within the four gospels, especially. And Jesus spoke a lot in parables, which is recorded in the book of Matthew. It's just so much you can learn about Jesus's ministry, you'll just follow through and realize there were miracles happening practically every day. And to be alive during that time, witnessing all of this would have been pretty amazing to see people being raised from the dead and all kinds of signs and wonders going on. And uh, I believe we're going to see more of that today as well, because Jesus promised us, he said that you're going to do these things and greater. This is talking about the manifestation, the full manifestation of the Holy Spirit at work within your and my life so that other people, you know, we, we are able to move forward knowing the times and seasons we're in to bring heaven down here to earth and see the full glory of God reflected in each and every one of our lives so that we're in perfect harmony and perfect unison for what God wants us all to do individually and yet harmoniously. So let this be encouragement to you that God loves you right where you are at, regardless of what you're doing, and he wants to use your life. So I'll have a great week. You can research the life of Matthew as much as you want to. He is an incredible guy. Um, even though we don't hear too much about him in the Bible, he was well-educated and um, a great explainer of things or a communicator, a great teacher, um, very humble and teachable. Um, and therefore, God was able to use that work of the Holy Spirit, you know, working within Matthew's life to help us today in our walk with the Lord by him recording all of these things that he was witnessing every day. So God wants to use your life for generations to come. And um, we shouldn't take that you know, responsibility lightly, but we should be all that we were made to be today and choose to follow the Lord because he is calling us and choosing us, calling us by name. You all have a great week and I will talk to you in the next episode. Well, hey everyone, I'm glad you're here. Thank you for joining me today as I'm going to talk about how we can become more like Jesus by becoming more like Matthew. And that might sound kind of strange, but I'm going to be talking about the life of the Apostle Matthew and understanding that God can use anyone. He wants to use your life today, regardless of where you stand with him. If you've never heard the gospel before, if you have never been in church before, you don't have to, you know, you don't always are not always going to meet Jesus necessarily within the four walls of church. I did not. I met him in the most powerful way for the first time when I was in my grandparents' garage taking out their trash. So, I mean, God is everywhere and he can meet you in the most unexpected of places. Um, but if you have a Bible, go ahead and turn to 
uh, Matthew chapter 9, verse 9. And today I'm going to talk about the encounter that we hear between Jesus and Matthew. Jesus is coming along. He has just healed a paralytic around the same region where he finds Matthew in a place called Capernaum. He is sitting there. Matthew is sitting there as a tax collector for the Roman government. He's a Jew, um, and therefore he is hated by his own people, the Jewish people. Um, many of these tax collectors were very loyal at that time to the Roman government, so they were often cheating people by pocketing a share of the tax collections. Um, so just not at all liked by the Jewish people. But Jesus always comes by and sees the other side to the story. He sees Matthew's heart, or rather what it could be like, which is made in the in the image of God to where it is holy and it's pure, and it is in a perfect alignment with the word of God. So he says, as Jesus passed on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax office, and he said to him, follow me. So he arose and followed him. And there's a few things that I, uh, we can gather from this. The first thing is Matthew's obedience to stop what he was doing. It shows me that he could have been maybe really desperate and was tired of what he was doing, knowing that money was not going to fulfill him and his pride and his greed was not fulfilling him in any way, shape or form. And then from Jesus's viewpoint, it shows me the kind of authority that he carried and the powerful presence of the Lord that was with Jesus everywhere that he went. And this is how we can operate as well, because when we're born again, we have the Holy Spirit with us who's going to lead us in the ways we're to go, he says. And he says that he'll counsel us with his loving eye and he'll teach us and he'll instruct us on how we're to live and where we're to go and what we're to do and what we're to say. So, I mean, we can have encounters like this all the time. That's actually part of the Great Commission is that we would make disciples and not just friends. But discipling means teaching and it means moving and operating the ways that Jesus did based off of the giftings that we have as believers. So, I mean, we can do this as well. And then it goes on to say that um, as it happened, Jesus sat at the table in the house that behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and sat down with him and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw it, they said to his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? So they were viewing these people, they were viewing Jesus and sinners to be in two different categories, which obviously there is some truth to that. You know, if you're, you're either, there is no in-between to God, you're either going to heaven, you're going to hell, you're either saved or you're not. Um, but they viewed Jesus, you know, they were aware that he was this holy man, and then there he is eating with sinners, but they didn't realize that what Jesus is about to say is going to make them think about about their, their heart's intentions. And it says that when Jesus heard that, he said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. And then he says, but go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice, for I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance, which is exactly what I'm trying to say is that he, those who are lost need the Lord, you know, and sometimes if you're in Matthew's case, I mean, I don't know every, every detail. I haven't 
conducted like this deep study about his life or his backstory. Um, but from what I do know, um, sometimes God has to, you know, bring you to the end of yourself in order for you to see your need for him. And until we, we understand that, we're just going to continue living our lives, living the mundane kind of life without even thinking about the urgency of our spirit that if we were to die at any point today, you know, where would we be going? Because God says that he's given every person a free will and we can do with that as we wish, which is the beauty of the gospel. You know, God is still going to love us even if we never acknowledge him, fail to love him in return. But he so desperately desires this with an urgency that we would come to know him so that we can spend eternity with him. And while we're here, we can also experience him and his joy and his love uh, for us and for other people. Um, so let this be encouragement to you that God can use anyone despite someone like Matthew who was greedy and prideful and a sinful human being because regardless of your occupation, regardless of what you're doing, God is far more concerned with who you are or who you're to become, which is your heart. He's after your heart and um, he's always after the conscience you know, why are you doing what you're doing? Is it out of selfish motives or is it knowing your identity, being a very secure and confident person in the Lord? And as you're developing this holy trust between you and the Lord, this is going to merge your heart to his within his understanding and his revelation, which will move you from glory to glory and promote you in due season and enable you to see the very best version of yourself in the eyes of the Lord, which will enable you to see the best version of others, despite where they're at in life. Because if you notice Jesus's ministry, he never called people as they were. You know, he was, he would see the sin, he would see the issue, and he would get right to the issue and the source of sin, which is how you have to deal with the devil. You can't let him walk all over you anymore, but you have to, to understand and get to the root of what is causing such destruction in your life or, you know, any, any root of sin, the, the source is always pride. You know, us, that free will, going back to that free will and, and us wanting to live our own way, go our own way. And even as a Christian, we still have to bring our flesh under, you know, in alignment with what the word of God says, because we live in this corrupt world, but we're not of this world. We are born again and we have the Holy Spirit ruling and reigning in our lives. Therefore, we can overcome our flesh the more we build our spirit up and we build that faith and that conscience awareness that if I want to be used by God and I want to develop my faith, then I must do my part as well as God do his. It's this relationship that must be forged between us and the Lord to where we can trust him and he knows that he can trust us. So I pray this is encouragement to you and Matthew, look at his life because he is credited at least for writing the book of Matthew, which is the first book in the New Testament of the Bible. And a lot of it includes, starts with the genealogy of Jesus. So Jesus's upbringing and um, you know, what he, it's interesting because all that we know from the time that he was 
just very, very young, you know, a young infant um, or a toddler until the age that he's 12. All it says that he grew is just two words. He grew. And we know that when he's around 12 years old and he did not start his actual, you know, ministry of, of going into the world and preaching the gospel and all these things until he was, I believe, around 30 years old. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe he was, um, you know, it was, it was quite a little time there before he actually was starting to be to be used in that kind of way. And that only lasted for just a few years before he, you know, ascended to heaven, which is really interesting considering all the miracles that he performed and all of the teachings that are recorded by Matthew and other disciples and, and teachers uh, within the four gospels, especially. And Jesus spoke a lot in parables, which is recorded in the book of Matthew. It's just so much you can learn about Jesus's ministry, you'll just follow through and realize there were miracles happening practically every day. And to be alive during that time, witnessing all of this would have been pretty amazing to see people being raised from the dead and all kinds of signs and wonders going on. And uh, I believe we're going to see more of that today as well, because Jesus promised us, he said that you're going to do these things and greater this is talking about the manifestation, the full manifestation of the Holy Spirit at work within your and my life so that other people, you know, we, we are able to move forward knowing the times and seasons we're in to bring heaven down here to earth and see the full glory of God reflected in each and every one of our lives so that we're in perfect harmony and perfect unison for what God wants us all to do individually and yet harmoniously so let this be encouragement to you that god loves you right where you are at regardless of what you're doing and he wants to use your life so i'll have a great week you can research the life of matthew as much as you want to he is an incredible guy um, even though we don't hear too much about him in the bible he was well educated and um, a great explainer of things or a communicator, a great teacher, um, very humble and teachable. Um, and therefore, God was able to use that work of the Holy Spirit, you know, working within Matthew's life to help us today in our walk with the Lord by him recording all of these things that he was witnessing every day. So God wants to use your life for generations to come. And um, we shouldn't take that you know, responsibility lightly, but we should be all that we were made to be today and choose to follow the Lord because he is calling us and choosing us, calling us by name. You all have a great week and I will talk to you in the next episode.